G'day, and welcome to the Hunter's Campfire Podcast. My name's Mark, and along with good mate Ian, we're here to help with all things hunting. If you're looking to start, but don't know where to begin, you want to make the most of your next trip away, or even plan to hunt of a lifetime, we've got something for you. You'll find our podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and plenty of others. And if you want more, head over to our YouTube channel, The Hunter's Campfire, where we have plenty of how-to and hunting videos, along with the full video production of every podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and good hunting. Give me a chance. Hello, Johnny. Been a while. It has been. I wasn't going to mention that, but now it's out there, so... (laughs) It's going to use the magic of editing to like nothing ever happened. I'm, st- I'm, st- I'm still, I still feel like we're in the game, um, watching all the reruns of Cody's memes as they popped up after our <laughs> after there our was... conversation. I did enjoy that for a couple of weeks. There that was, was a, very good. There very, was a good, good one. What um, about? Oh, there was a great about... one about lures. No, I liked, liked the one where it, um, Zach had him like a Pokemon, and he was upset because he did. It was like podcast without Cody and he's like this little crying Pokemon. I really, like, I really like that one. No, I like the one where he's putting Cody's head in all of the boxes and he appears. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was actually that was yeah, the, the that was one, good. two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, yeah there's he been a couple. I've enjoyed been it. a couple. Yeah. Funny those lures have got me some fish. That's all I wish. Mm. Oh, we did okay. Oh, not as good as last year, but it was, yeah, it was okay. It was okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, talk about Fraser for another time. Uh, what else been going on? Mark, been up to much? Well, uh, I haven't been doing too much. Um, I did get oh, this, we which is... <clears throat> can you see that? Yeah, yeah the shotgun conservationist. It's, um, it's about this guy who is a vehement anti-hunter and who's become a hunter... Um, and he argues that hunting is conservation, US based. Um, it's an interesting read. It's not uh, his style's a bit kind of clunky, but um, that's that's the writer and me coming through. But it's actually an interesting concept. So basically, he's, you know, he's arguing that, and in it's in it's a bit weird because he actually talks about how to. It's almost like he's written it for people like him who might want to try hunting. But his hmm. argument is that, you know, ultimately, if you're a, you know, the green movement should embrace hunters um, in terms from a, from a conservationist point of view. Uh, so it was, it's actually, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a nice message or it's a good, strong message. Well, it's interesting so that, that they have such common views in so many aspects. Yeah. He was, he's, he's kind of arguing that in many ways, you know, they're almost you would if you kind of step back and logically looked at them they would be they would be the same mm. it's only the you know the the ideological and he even talks about that you know like he didn't eat meat because of an ideological bent not because he was allergic to meat or anything like that it was all it was all you know i the the driven by, you know, perceptions about things and perceptions about hunting and perceptions about, you know, game meat and all those kind of things. So once you cut through all that, there's actually this remarkable similarity in, in, in what you're trying to do. And because hunters obviously, you know, want to preserve um, the environment because that's where they want to be. 
So, and uh, you know, it's it's that weird thing that we have here all the time, and I keep coming back to it about you know, if you want to kill deer, talk to hunters because that's what they do. <laughs> so, it's a, it's a quite an interesting uh, take on it. So, I've, I've been I've been enjoying it. I'm reading it. I'm doing fits and starts, but yeah, it's been, that's been my thing for the moment. Is that also based in the US? Yeah, or? very. It's a US based book. So US based. Yeah, okay. and so yes, he has he has a he has a, a it's a US a US based um, view of of hunting, but then again, um, you know, Aldo Lupo that people love the quote. He was he's a, he came out of the US, so. It's, there's certainly linkages there more to how we engage with the environment. Hmm. So that's that's that's, awesome. that's been me for the while. Awesome. Well, my yourself, um, yeah, what do you? Oh, you I was just going to say. Oh well, I've been uh, taking up my part-time job as a sheep farmer as often mm. as possible. There's quite mm. a bit going on here. Uh, yes, I've been drafting off lambs that have been born. We've uh, had a pretty good strike rate in terms of rams. So the lambs, so the rams, been uh, uh, producing pretty well, which is great. Uh, anyone looking for a Christmas lamb, uh, Ian at thehunterscampfire.net. You can contact me, and I'll figure out how to get you some lamb. It'll cost you a lot of money, but that's okay. No, It'll help me feed my family. Uh, and there's a new hobby. A oh no, it's not free lamb. It's not free lamb. It's got a it's had uh, five-year-old cuddles as each lamb was born, so that increases the price by quite a lot. Uh, <laughs> and I can show you that. And I had one running around with a GoPro on it for a while, so you can see the day in the life of the lamb that you murdered to put on your table for Christmas. It's just the way it goes around here on the, the Hurley Ranch. But um, <laughs> we've got some new ladies coming to the ranch sometime in the short term. I think two weeks from now there'll be, I don't know how many thousand honeybees showing up in oh, my new beehive. Oh. Yeah, Rowan. Rowan, the good fella, has. Uh, mm. It's actually quite interesting. Rowan came over to case the joint out, make sure that I had the appropriate place for honeybees to live, the right trees, the right water sources, the right locations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He brought his lovely girlfriend along with him, and we ended up trading a bottle-fed lamb for two beehives. Good trade. Nice, good which job. is good, really, because this bottle-fed lamb is driving me nuts. Because it doesn't think it's a lamb, it doesn't think it's a sheep, it thinks it's a dog. Is it, is it oh, the one okay. that you, the one. you rescued from mum? The oh, one just... that we rescued a little while ago. Its mum died, and we bottle fed it from. Yeah, you know, we had to rip it out of the birthing sack. It was pretty much dead on the ground, and it survived. And now, it it doesn't want to live with the peasant sheep. It, it wants to live <laughs> with the dogs, and it demands its food at four thirty in the morning. And Rowan, if you're listening, it's it's all good, mate. It'll be weaned by the time you pick it up. But anyway, that's the life of me, the farmer. I was just saying I was uh, doing the vaxes and the, the drenches and all that sort of stuff and injected half a syringe of B12 vitamins into my own hand, which was um, turned out okay. Energi I've been, uh, Ener Ener energizing. been full of energy for a couple of days. But uh, that's what I do when I'm not fishing or, uh, or hunting. It's been good. Looking forward to the bees. Yeah. Looking forward to the honey. Well, you know, if you buy one of my exorbitantly overpriced uh, lambs for Christmas, it'll come with a free jar of honey. You're sweetening the deal, eh? I'm sweetening the deal, Johnny. You got it. <laughs> well, we do. We 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 have in greatly increased the meat uh, consumption at this place, so I think we might be. I might be able to haggle. Well, I'm, really I'll, uh, I'm still waiting. For, I'm still waiting for my lamb. So yeah, get in line. Yeah, well, you got to buy one. 
Then you can have one. Uh, the good thing is they come in all shapes and sizes because they're all different ages. But I just want them to come cut, you know, packaged. You want it prepackaged? <laughs> yeah. I can, see it. I can drop the whole thing, wool yeah, and everything. I, 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 I don't need any bottle feeding. I need What food. you're saying is you want yours suffocated first. I want mine processed as in processed. food. We can I do that. Mine, I want mine ready to eat. Fair enough. Well, anyway, land production is good. And the chickens? You still got chickens? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> A little while ago, we <laughs> talked about wing shooting. Mm. And the only my claim to fame was that I was given... 10 or 12 chickens that included nine roosters in the end. So I only got three chickens and uh, every other morning, not that I would tell my local council this because that'd be bad, but I'd um, carefully dispose with a 410, the next rooster that decided it wanted to wake me up at four o'clock in the morning and <laughs> dropped it in the the rubbish pickup. Uh, so we're down to one, but he's reasonably quiet. I think we've scared him. Yeah, you negative reinforcement that's it so anyway the farm is good it's productive one step closer to self-sustainability very cool Jono not much still recovering from Fraser still finding sand everywhere uh, yeah a week on Fraser and there's sand coming out of every every hole in the car and probably Mm. every hole in your body as well um yeah, it's a nightmare. I've washed the car, I think, three times. I've washed the camper twice. I've washed my clothes. I've washed everything, and I still find sand. Yep. So, but good trip. As you said, we'll, we'll cover that in a uh, in a future episode, I think. Yeah, yeah tip, still recovering. Tip for those that are trying to get sand out of their car is get an orbital sander and put it on the carpet that you're vacuuming because it bounces it all yeah. over the surface. Yes. It's a good one. And tell me, get- that product that you used on your car prior yes. to, it- how good was it? That was amazing. I, yeah, I actually forgot all about it until Hendo pointed out that. So I bought this mark for your benefit. I bought this product that is called Salt Exterminator, and they do a salt wash, a salt seal, but they also do a chassis seal. Mm. And basically, you spray your chassis with it, and it dries. You don't see it; it doesn't leave like an oily residue or anything, and the sand doesn't stick to it. Yeah, we were sat there waiting for the fish to stop biting, and Hendo was like, "Why is there no sand on your chassis? When did you wash your car?" Yeah. <laughs> and literally the chassis was clean as there was no sand sticking to it, absolutely nothing. And then we compared it to, in, to Ian's and his was just caked in it. Yeah. So that stuff worked to treat. And I came back and I washed the car and I really had hardly any sand underneath the car. Um, so I'm really, really impressed with that product. Yeah, my I got mine uh, treated a couple of years ago. So the professional put up on the rack and they sprayed the whole lot out of it. Mm. Um, yeah. But um, and it's a, you can it's actually starting to uh, flake off because I can now see some of the writing on one of the shocks because the guy, much to my dismay, painted over my pretty blue shocks with his black stuff. So just everything was black. Yeah, well, this you just spray on, mm. um, and it lasts a few weeks. And then you oh no, this, this thing's like a like, product. Like, yeah, your, yours is the anti-rust undercoat. It's yeah, almost a like a, it's 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 a like it's a, a beach spray It's a beach stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not like the old peanut. It's not like the old peanut oil they used to use, which was super sticky. Of course, it worked. But this is yeah. You know, he actually does this as professional. I had some work done on the the bull bar, and he said I'll spray the whole lot on there. So he went through, did a whole lot. Mm. Oh, this stuff worked really well. Good. 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 Good.
trick was you used to come home and you'd put one of those rainmaker sprinklers and you stick yeah, it under the truck. You stick it under the yeah. truck and go to bed and, shh, shh, and you come out the next morning and there's half a beach in your driveway. Yeah, surprises any sand left on Fraser the amount. But man, mm. there was some chaos. Anyway, we'll we'll keep Fraser for another for another yeah. day. And and uh oh <clears throat> I've become a fanboy. If you haven't noticed on the socials. Well. Again, it this the this just because you're going over to places that don't have any service and uh yeah, we were down the rocks down at um uh Champagne Pools and the young fella cut his foot. Now we didn't need to push the go button on that thing. But the first aid kit that um, that Zolio provided was invaluable. It was great. We both had one oh, in, in the back of our cars, and um, yeah, people raved about its its quality. So um, good to have it, wouldn't it? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, and also being able to find camp in the dark. It was literally just yeah. Because like, Zolio was great for that, just because you're you're running along, I don't know how many kilometres of beach, going fishing and back, and you can't you've got no idea where your camp is. You can't see it with your headlights or anything. Um, but again, yeah, Zolio pin, you know exactly where you are. And, you can do that yeah, with I, any normal GPS, of course, but um, to have that feature and built in that is, um, yeah, really good. So how did it work over at Norfolk? Really well. Yeah, so hopped on the plane to Norfolk Island the other day. Um, so Norfolk, for those that have never been there or don't understand it, doesn't have any Australian telco services on it. Norfolk has their own telecommunications company. Um, Norfolk is part of Australia. Um, you might have some people on Norfolk Island debate that, but if you go and have a look at all of the, the law that is associated with it, Norfolk is, is, is an outlying region of Australia and uh, it just hasn't been tucked into the mobile network by any of the carriers that are here. So when you go over there, you have to buy their local SIM card um, and either reject yours and plug it in or you've got a dual SIM phone and off you go. Um, now, uh, it takes some time to get from the airport to where you're going um, and you've got to expend that money. The Zolio, I just turned it on when I was getting um, off the plane, and by the time I'd got into the uh, into the hangar through the queue, uh, the hangar into the the um, the airport and through the the queues, it had updated everything, and I was able to send text messages to um, my wife to let her know I was there, and she had my te- my um, Zolio number, so I was in communication straight away. Um, so that was great. That it's not a device for syncing your emails and bits and pieces. You'll get to your hotel and do Wi-Fi for that. But I was in instant communication, which was excellent. Because oh, I was really wondering what it's like, you know, overseas, overseas. Well, never really no thought. different. Yeah. Because, I mean, no you know, going to England, we we just buy SIM cards. But why bother? Well, it depends what you're doing. If you If you want to be making phone calls, then... No, generally what we do is when we're over there, it's just to communicate with the relatives, you know, and stuff like that. And it's always text messages anyway, you know. Yeah. It also depends depends on the volume, though, of messaging. Yeah, your subscription would count. Now, if you're you're communicating, this is for communicating back to Australia, don't forget. Mm. It's going to cost you more money. I imagine. I haven't really think about it. The, the mobile number in the device is an Australian mobile number. Mm. I haven't ever looked at how much it costs to text an international mobile on your subscription. Mm. That's my question. Question for Zolio. Yeah, the other question that we're going to put to Zolio because it's come up a couple of times is um, it's, a, it's obviously a global satellite product. You can use it anywhere in the world. But if you hit the SOS button, in individual countries, what happens? Mm. In Australia, emergency response is 
something that the taxpayer funds. In New Zealand, it's the same. I don't know what it's like in South Africa, John. Who pays? In the US, you can almost bet your balls. You hit that button, you're going to get a bill. But I'm curious as to what the individual things were because it's been raised a couple of times now. So we'll um we'll figure that one out. Mm. Yeah. Well, you used um, to have to pay in Queensland. You know, it was two hundred bucks if you called the ambulance. If yeah, because now there was that levy. If you didn't pay, if you didn't pay the levy, you got the two hundred dollar ambulance bill. Jeez, imagine what that'd be now. Be closer to two grand, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, no, it idea. went away. Yeah. yeah. So, um, anyway, it was good. It worked. It worked really well. Yeah. Okay. Because mm, uh, yeah, when I was seeing that, I was thinking, hang on, is this the way around? Because you know. Yeah, is this a way around uh, communicating when you're overseas? Well, the way I do it now, um, most hotels you go to these days give you Wi-Fi. Yeah. Your mobile in most countries will roam, so you can make a phone call if you need to. If you can hold off making that phone call until you get to your hotel, then Wi-Fi calling allows you to do, um, allows you to make phone calls back to your home country for free or included in your current package. It's not a toll call. Wi-Fi calling as if as is as if you were calling from your own lounge. Mm. Um, you've got to have the appropriate phone to do that, and your carrier has to support it. But if you're using Telstra, then that's what that's what works. They have a combination of Zolio for text, Wi-Fi calling back at your hotel or at the cafe, wherever it is you're getting Wi-Fi. And worst comes to worst, if you've got none of that, you can make a phone call through roaming. Mm. That kind of takes care of it without having to go and buy these expensive plans anymore. Because we used to. Last time we went, we did, you know, Wi-Fi, everything. And all we did was, before we went, was create a, a new um, email in Google, a Gmail, sorry, Gmail, because all of them, to get Wi-Fi, ask for your, you know, mm. so they can send your advertising. So there's an email account out there, whichever one of those stats, you know, it's getting, to probably get hit by <laughs> literally trillions of advertising Spammy emails. Yeah. So that was it. I was just, I would just use that email and it, you know, it just loaded up with advertising. But we moved from place to place to just use Wi-Fi. So it was just a question. Obviously, not. I don't mean when when you're when you're in remote locations, but just normally as, as uh, normal travel and stuff like that. Mm. Yep. Mm. Reverse style. One more bit of news that we didn't discuss about okay. talking about while we're here, but I'm going to raise it anyway and put the pressure on the world. Ooh. Or us. Uh, our, our website's going to launch. Yes, it is. Yes, very soon. Our website yes. is going to launch. By the time this goes out, you'll be able to go to www.thehunterscampfire.net. That's it. That's the one. And you'll get uh, all sorts of fun things to look at. So the, the, way we've, the reason we've built the website is to, uh, again, have a place that we can help share information. We get a lot of people asking about equipment that we use, um, where we get it from, all of that. So we've we've thrown up a page each that shows the gear that we use, the ammo that we use, the ammo associated to each rifle, what's in our packs, the game gear, um, all everything that we carry when we go yep. hunting is now going to be listed. It's it's got pictures and it's got links to places you can buy it. Um, some of it will be places uh, it'll go to the vendors and others, you know, this right down to this is the game bag that I use from the butcher supply, which is a handbag, um, you know. We're not making money off it. We're just sending you to places so that you know where to buy it. Um, so that's really good. A couple of other pages that we're going to throw up there, um, some spotlight products, 
So if we're talking about things on our on our podcast, like we just have around the Zolio, um, you'll find that on the featured page. So it's just easier for you to navigate to it. Uh, and we'll have some pre-blooded gear up there sometime shortly, which is a whole bunch of things that we've used, still in great condition, that people are interested in buying. So we'll throw those up, and if you're interested, then you can get a reasonable bargain on some of that. So it's exciting. It's good to have it up there. Mm. Um, you'll also Definitely. be able to go to the latest videos. All of that sort of stuff will be promoted on the on the website. Just a an easy place to go and and, and have a look around. So big team yes. to see what you think and yeah, go check it out. It's uh, thehunterscampfire.net. One. It's live now, isn't it, fellas? I know. I have now. no idea. It's just too now. weird. Right now. It's too weird. Right now. Now. As soon as I find my credit card and put the money up, <laughs> our credit cards. Um, so that's exciting. We've had that in production for a little while. Yeah, Any other news? Uh, very quick, I've just remembered. I'm getting some, you know those Spartan sticks, the real tall ones? Oh, you're getting those, are you? Yeah, I'm getting sent those for review. Spartan sticks. You know the, the, tri, the Spartan yeah. really nice bipods and tripods? Yep. Mm. You know the really long ones? How long? Yeah. Really the long. Like ascents, shooting stick. They're called. They're like a, a really like long shooting stick. stick. Yeah, but they convert to um, trekking poles. Those ones. Yeah, I'm getting the sent, ascent. I'm ones. getting sent some of those. Mm. That'll be good. That'll be nice. Yes. That'll be very nice. So they're yeah. I'm gonna get sent. I think they're the yeah. They're they're, they're a longer version than this. The I'm actually keen to see them, um, because I went through. All my shooting sticks, bipods that I've got, and I've and I realise I've got a monopod, a bipod, a tripod, and two small bipods for rifles, and I don't use any of them. So I actually want to see if these things will convert me. So I'm right. very keen to see what they're like. Mm. Yeah, I'll be keen. I think those are the Spartan Ascents. If I'm... No, that doesn't Which... sound right. That doesn't okay. sound right. It's I can't think what it's called. I'll find. Oh, you've your microphone's gone red. He's muted himself, that's why. Yeah, I just oh. needed to move a piece of furniture around to put my feet up, be more comfortable, and tell us it's going to be a long one. There you go. Um, so you're getting oh, those. Actually... Do you have to hand them back, or are they going to end up on the pre-blooded gear page, Mark? Yeah, there is a general, you know, generally believe that this stuff goes back. It's not, oh. you know. It's, general, you know, general, generally, you know, the hell position that you send stuff back. Yeah. Oh, there is another thing. What's that? The competition. Which one? One that we just all spoke of, about. All, all of the, the one we just spoke about. The one we just spoke about. about. We just made up. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Do you want to so, lead off with that? Okay. I'll, I'll illustrate with things off my desk. Okay. Uh, I didn't know this was going on here, so let's do this. Yeah, so uh, we have over the last few months and continue to this very day, get sent photos and stories of people having success when they're hunting. We're, and we've done a couple of Facebook posts about it. How And the thing is, we really like seeing that stuff. We really like seeing, it's really cool. here's my first deer, here's my first pig, I've watched your YouTube channel, I listened to your podcast, I went to London, I shot one, here it is. Except there was one guy who shot a pig. And a deer, a red deer, a red, you know, on his first day. Sorry, we don't remember your name. For, we did have a good for, conversation about it. Prepare for disappointment because <laughs> you, know, you started, you came out of the gate really hard. 
So, yeah, he shot a nice peg and a red deer in, in Nundal. Was it Mitchell? Maybe. Done. Nice one, okay. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. You do that. So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of reset the clock. So if you've already done that, we'd like you to resend it in with a picture of yourself and a picture of the animal and a little description. And we're going to start doing this in in the next couple of days in October. And we're just going to go right through to Christmas. And at Christmas time, we're going to pull the names out of a hat. So this is not going to be all about who's got the most likes and all that kind of stuff. We're just literally going to do pull your name out of the hat. And if you your name comes out, you get one of the outdoor edge. He's going to show hold this up. Um, for those people who listen and don't see the pictures, it's the Outdoor Edge uh, game meat processing kit. So it's an eight-piece kit, comes in a hard-blown form uh, case, and it's got three multiple types of knives, uh, bone cutters, all sorts of really cool Chest stuff. Um, uh, What's unique steel? about this one? Unique what about I think this about one? that We've one? We've given two of these ones away already. One went to... John Henderson for being part of the winning slam team. That was yeah. his prize. One went to somebody at the hunt camp. Mm. Uh, but the thing that's unique about this one is it's brand new. Yes. The last one we gave away had carved up a buffalo and a few deer and we kind of put it through the dishwasher and repackaged it and gave it away. This one's new. That's the good thing. The, it's sealed. Still sealed, look. And what I really like about those is that that steel and that stuff because I had the one that came out of the Northern Territory and it hadn't been cleaned for about seven months and it was there was not a blemish on that metal. And I thought, hey, considering where we were and what happened and all that stuff, that's a, that's a testament to the steel in those kits. So mm. we're going to have one of those as a giveaway. So yep. that's a, so keep, stay tuned. Um, stay stay tuned, tuned, keep your eye we out. Have- we'll put a post about it and we're going to start the clock again. And we've also got a lot of other cool stuff to give away. We've got from stuff Beam Communications, their little um, uh, small solar packs, so um, solar panel packs, you know, like the, you great... carry in your backpack. Recently got a really featured neat... on, uh, the, on the Instagram page. They've got a really neat yep. little one. Love from Fraser. Yep. And we've actually even got a whole Zolio unit. Yep. How good is this? Which is, you know. Free Zolio and, unit. We yeah, we've got a Zolio unit. And... Ian just keeps holding up stuff that seems we're going away. Yeah, there's like, more. Yeah. We've got another one of these, but we've already talked about that one. Yeah, got that's mm. it. And there's more stuff over here in the room. Yeah, the sheep that, in the corner there. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> a chicken, a rooster. That's, that's all of the that's all the updates. Um, that's it. Okay, we're them. updated up. Okay. What time right, is moving it? on. We've got a subject o'clock. to talk about. <laughs> we better start talking about hunting. We've got two I, subjects. One of them, the first one, that I was going to pose to you fellas before we get into it was, um, and I know a lot of us don't do too much hunting in summer because, well, it's a good time to go fishing. Um, but what do you do to your gear and what preparations do you go through when you transition from winter to summer hunting? Yeah. Cool. Jono. Question without I change. <laughs> yeah, you put me on the spot, mate. Um, well, I change my clothing. I go a lot more lightweight, a lot more breathable. Um, in winter, I find I use slightly thicker, heavier uh, clothing. Um, I've actually got dedicated summer stuff that's a lot more breathable, a lot more lightweight, um, just hot. 
Um, I tend to carry more water. That's the other big thing. So, so do you change carry... your hydration system, or you're just carrying more bottles? No, I just I, I I keep what I've got, but I'll add additional water to my pack. So my standard these days is exactly what you got in your hand is a Yeti. I have that in summer in the summer months. I'll carry that with um, electrolytes. In winter, I tend to just carry water uh, in my backpack, but in the warmer months, I'll carry the Yeti with electrolytes. And with the ice, the, what works in the territory is going to work up there. It's going to work for me in Queensland summer, in my view. Um, otherwise, I don't change much. I just add extra hydration and some light, lightweight clothing. Um, I still tend to keep longer uh, clothing, so I, I like to wear – actually, the other thing I'll add is a pair of lightweight gloves just for my hands. Um, I find the top of my hands get really burnt in summer. And the skin mm. gets a bit funny, so I like to wear a pair of lightweight gloves just to top. Uh, I don't like getting shit cut out of me, which happens a lot bare skin. So, yeah, I like to wear lightweight lightweight gloves, lightweight clothing that's obviously protecting my skin, um, but otherwise I don't change it much. Do you change your style of hunting? Yeah. Are you chasing different animals? Are you still chasing deer? I don't tend to chase much deer in summer. I probably hunt until about the end of October. Um, the deer, just simply because the the hinds does are, are pretty pregnant by now, yep. uh, and by the end of October they're pretty far along, and I don't like to shoot them when they're very heavily pregnant. Um, I tend to leave them alone. If I'm going to hunt, I'll probably be hunting goats and pigs. Um, probably looking close, looking more around water because the animals have got to drink, and usually around this time it's starting to get pretty dry, so. The animals start getting concentrated around water, um, so I'll focus a lot around that, especially the pigs. Pretty good. Anything else, Mark? Yeah, yeah, pretty similar. Um, I'll hunt deer all the way through, though, um, especially in the Brisbane Valley. Uh, it's just that you tend to do, uh, you know, shorter squirts, as it were. So uh, you start much earlier, um, get to that point, actually. In the middle of summer, I'm I'm often at the decision making: Do I go up the night before and keep in the car? Because if you try to get up there before dawn, you know, dawn's whatever you know, <laughs> you get first lights then, four a.m. You're leaving home at you know two o'clock in the morning. You're thinking, should I just leave at eight and sleep up there and be ready to go? That's one of the one of the concerns that you know the the, the amount of daylight hours. Um, because I like to have it, you know, done and dusted by ten o'clock, especially mm. if I'm going to take meat, because you just want to be back as quick as you can, um, and then you know do nothing through the day, or even just if I'm successful, come home just okay. If I'm not successful, then it's a fairly long wait till the afternoon and go out in the afternoon. Um, you know, water becomes uh, all important through summer um so you know any water supply is worth keeping an eye on um, in terms of gear i've got like as Jono has i've got mostly dedicated you know seasonal gear um so i've got the really nice you know dedicated hunting gear that i use down at nundle and stuff like that during the cooler months uh the stuff up in for queensland and new south wales tends to be um, while it's a, it's heavier, it's not super lightweight gear. It is. I try to get lightweight gear, but I, you can't go too light because things like burrs and all that stuff mm. come into play. So you, it's it's a compromise. And I just think you just got to get hot. You're just going to be hot, so you might as well just not be scratched to pieces. 
Um, so that's, and of course, then you get into things, there's also things in the grass, you know, bites and stuff like that. Not it just means snakes. There's all sorts of things, you know, birds and insects and stuff like that. Uh, having, you know, being of Dutch origin growing up in Brisbane in the seventies where, you know, no one owned a hat. <laughs> I suffer from the every year I go to get skin cancers cut out of me. So I tend to cover up right up. So neck wrap, uh, gloves, a whole lot. So I, I wear a fair, fair chunk of clothing. I just try and, um, just, you know, try and wear as light as possible and, and deal with the heat. Um, find that the neck wraps, whilst they, they're quite hot, they do, they do stop you from getting that horrible burn. When you go into the somewhere like the Pelago, if you're going through, you know, summer, like high summer, you know, it gets up to 40 degrees plus down mm. there and it's that, and it's dry heat. So it, it takes the energy out of you. So you really got to watch your, um, hydration. I've had two times when I've been in the Pelago where I've gone, okay, gone a bit too far. I've had a to, and what I usually find is that I just I just go to sleep. It makes not basically makes me go to sleep. Uh, game animals, water becomes all important down there because you're chasing goats and pigs, and they're animals that need a water. So, and there's a lot of game being shot out of the pillager at the moment. If you're listening and you want to have a good go at something, get to the pillager. Mate Simon went down there. Him and his, his him, I think it was Nathan. They shot twenty two goats in three days, and they could have shot eighty eight goats, and saw twenty Amazing. pigs. Saw you know over twenty pigs. So a lot, and we're getting reports like that, you know. And so there's lots of game getting around, and I reckon we've got another good eighteen to two years of it. So get amongst it. But what will happen now is the water, as it becomes more and more scarce it will concentrate animals more and more. So water becomes the all-important factor when you're down there. The, those things can – goats somehow can live off any kind of pick, but they need a drink. They need water. So focus on the water. In terms of gear, I just try to carry as light as possible because I'm not going to be out all day. I'm going to do hmm. squirts, so I'm going to – um try and have as less possible on, on my back and have a back of the truck or back of the camp. In fact, when we usually do the pillager, that's what we'll do. We'll go out early morning, we'll hunt, we'll come back, we'll generally come around 11 o'clock or lunchtime, meet up again, spend a few hours doing nothing and go out for the afternoon and do the same. And the animals tend, you know, they tend to be early morning, late afternoon movement because it's just too hot during the day. My only add to that is um, of my last pillager trip was over the Christmas holidays and it was searing hot, mm. um, but pay really close attention to the weather mm. forecast and the weather because it that's the storm season as well. And when those storms come and you're out there, you've got a really quick decision to either stay for quite some time or get the hell out um, because it turns to quicksand so quickly. Um, so that's yeah, that's my only only other thing. Um, I'm very similar in, in the gear, uh, except um, my outer layers, um, especially my pants, uh, are the same in summer and winter. Yeah, they just have thermals under them in winter, and then their summer ones in the in the summer. They're all the air mesh, uh, air, air mesh vented pants, uh, and I've um, I've moved to a summer boot. 
when we went yep. up to the territory, I bought a synthetic, lightweight, very comfortable um, pair of Keen boots, and it was the best thing I did for for summer hunting. Other than the fact that they only came in black, and if you rested in the sun, you ended up with burning feet. Um, but just, you know, just rest in the shade. That's okay. Um, but yeah, don't get black boots for summer. Um, but lightweight boots, that's that's been a big change for me. I, I use the same boots all year round, and I don't see the point in doing that anymore. So that's my my change. I, 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 don't, I, I don't change boots. I, I do. I have. I now do. I, I yeah. never used to. Wonder why that but was. I now I have a, I have a, <laughs> I have a specialty summer boot. So we insert a picture of why. Of the hole in Mark's foot. The hole in Mark's foot. Yeah. It's come back, mate. It's grown back. The big thing for me on that actually is clean socks. I yeah. find oh, you got clean it. pair of underwear, yeah. clean pair of underwear, clean pair of socks every day. That's my yeah. I do. It makes a big difference. There's no way. I don't change their socks. So in winter that you don't do that. Is that why you just go? Oh, yeah, I'll stay in these jocks. <laughs> Yeah, got a week well, out. They start walking themselves. <laughs> now I um the funk yeah, scares I, I went, the deer I went, away. I've got summer boots and uh I've, I've worn them a couple or worn them last year and um they are they're fantastic because they're just like running shoes in terms of weight. But of course the ones I've got have got absolutely no waterproofing whatsoever. So even in the morning if you get a lot of dew they get wet but they'll dry out. But there's certainly a different kind of approach. Well, the shoes are, yeah, the shoes yeah. I wore in the territory, um, they were, oh, they were a pair of hiking boots. Mm. They, the Gore-Tex breathable ones. I've worn those. They were fine in the territory. I've worn those in winter. Mm. They dry. They breathe, so they don't get too sweaty. And I usually alternate boots. If they get wet in the morning, I'll leave those ones out and wear another pair in the afternoon. Last yep. So I tend to alternate. Hey, John, the, only, the, the only thing mm. for this year I've got is a vote. Some summer weight kuyu pants I want to try out. We're back. Uh, After a word from our sponsors, mm. um, kuyu. <laughs> have, well, that'd be nice if kuyu decided to listen in and come and mm, talk it to would us be about nice. all the equipment. I've already, I've already invested a bit of money in their company. <laughs> oh, this I year. see. Um, um, Twin Needle. So Twin Needle is the bino rig that I use. Mm-hmm. Um, Provided a little bit of feedback. I think it's probably coincidental. But the one thing that we were talking about in our last episode was how everything has converged now into the mobile phone, all the bits of technology that we're using. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I found about the well, most of the um, chest rigs is they, whilst they might have a place for a mobile phone, they don't have a place front and centre no. for the mobile phone. And I suggested that the mobile phone be inside the the the, the bino rig flap so that it's there when you open it and it seems that that's what they now have oh i see so like yeah okay it's a plastic Um, sleeve on the mm. inside so when you Mm. open it there's your maps there's your messages there's your everything it's right there it just opens and stops right there and Mm. i think it's such a great addition such a simple thing if anyone else is making bino rigs they should just make those as an add-on that people can velcro in or do something but um, they got some smart new product coming. Be interested to see what it looks like. Because I'm using the Rhino pouch for my mobile phone, it works perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Because it's got. Little... I tuck mine in with my binos. Just goes so in there. I don't, the I don't carry the Rhino anymore. I've got the pouch over it, and it's similar length, and it's got 
little elasticized retaining strap so you don't drop it. And it yep. works perfect. All right. Mm. Moving on. We're going to Go talk about it. slam number two. What do we call it? Operation Venison. Operation, Operation Venison. Venison. Operation Venison. It's been quite a while Which... since we've come back from that, but we've kept it a bit quiet. Some of us have been, and I was off crook, couldn't talk about it. Johnny couldn't come, couldn't talk about it. This is the time we get to talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, the, and the goings on that went on um, by my dodgy friend here. That's all right. We'll get to that. Uh, two very different blocks. Uh, so we talked, talked about the slam that um, we put the videos out for, and it was was quite a property with really good volumes of game. Um, except, even though there were lots of deer seen, um, not an easily shootable locations for Rowan anyway. Um, <laughs> sorry, buddy. <laughs> um, and this property that we went to next was a different property. It it's a lot harder. Like it's a it's a much, it's much a pro- it's a property that you need to 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 really build a strategy around a hunt. I think, and because they're normally we say it's it's good enough for um, maybe four hunters working together, but because we broke our group of four into two, we really had to work out half you know half the property each and not oversent it and be very careful about where we went so that we kept the property alive, I guess, for game over a three or four day period. Um, and that's easy easy enough for me to explain, but trying to put that without having ever been there before, I explained that before we went. Um, how did you find that in terms of a statement when you got to the ground and you figured out what we were hunting? It was certainly a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. when you said. You know, the property's like a T, and you go down the middle, and when you come down, you're going to sense it up. I didn't think it would be that as tight as it was, mm. and you didn't when you were on the ground, especially that first morning. It was really foggy, and you know, you it sort of messed with your orientation a little bit. But you know, we had the zolio and we had the um, the cookie crumb track going on, and we'd be sat overlooking a you know this this side of a gully or something like that, and I'd look at the zolio and Ian was only a couple hundred meters away. Um, which that puts it into perspective when you can actually see, well, it's just literally a ridge over. Um, so having the Zolio from a safety perspective was awesome um, because I knew that, right, Ian's over there. We're not going to go that way. We've got to go this way. Um, but it was certainly a very different block to the to the, um, to the slam, the first slam video that we did. Um, it was, yeah, it was tough going. Like it was a lot steeper. It was really, really thick gullies on that one especially coming in you got to go all the way down and then the deer that we saw were either at the bottom or halfway up or three quarters of the way up the other side um and yeah it was some certainly some big climbs getting out especially with full packs but it was it was tough hunting it was a lot tougher than i thought it was going to be yeah and to explain the t you think about a capital t uh the hut was at the base of the capital t so both teams had to walk through the stem and then go left or right. That's pretty much how it worked. Um, but unlike, was it? No, sound of the Batmobile. Unlike the first block, the first block we were up on the high plateau, and you could hunt the top quite easily. In fact, the majority of the property was around the, the top of the plateau that we started on, 
and you could commit to going down the gully, but you didn't have to. In fact, you could shoot across that gully, shoot down into that gully. Really, going into that gully was about recovery for a lot of the time or trying to get up to the next spot. But this block, if you didn't commit to the gully within the first 20 minutes, you had nowhere to hunt. The T went down, straight down. And then you were in a creek line and you had to go back up the other side. I've hunted that block um, quite a few times over the last few years and we've always been lucky enough to have access to a Polaris. And um, we were able to leave the Polaris in the bottom of the gully. So, you know, you could go off hunting, leave it in the base, don't scare everything off and um, come back to that to carry your deer out. But unfortunately, uh, Polaris got wrecked by somebody and now the whole block is walking. And it's good. Like, it's good. It's a it's a fair mm. challenge. I think it makes you a little bit more selective about things that you're doing. But um, we had a competition on, and that was to to um, to shoot a, a palmated buck, buck with palms, or a spiker, or a meat deer. Each one had its own point value. Um, and we were just trying to uh, do venison recovery as per the title. And uh, it worked out really well. You guys got mm. – you, you guys were pretty successful early on? Yeah, so the first morning – um, we saw, well, we had to literally wait for that rain to stop. We arrived on the uh, what, Thursday afternoon and we had a slight break in the weather and then we we sort of climbed into the shed and overnight it absolutely pissed it down with rain. I mean, literally torrential rain. We were sitting in this the shearing shed and the noise was just deafening inside the shed. None of us got any sleep. Um, so we woke up in the morning and we looked at the forecast and it was supposed to stop raining about, what, 9 o'clock, I think, yeah, yeah. somewhere around there. But it was a little bit earlier. I think it was about 7.30 when the rain finally stopped, but it got really, really foggy. But we headed out. Um, we basically dropped down sort of to the bottom of that T, And right at the bottom of the gully, we found there was a um, some regrowth from, from fire that had been through there. And we saw probably 20 or 25 fellow with some really, really nice bucks. Um, we tried to, try to get a shot, but we'll try to creep down to get a shot. Um, but they they actually went up over a ridge, and that wasn't on our property, so that was out of bounds. It was on the neighbor's property, so we couldn't follow them. Um, so we crept down a little bit further, and all of a sudden, right at the bottom of that creek line that you mentioned, we just saw these deer start funneling in, and what had happened was is the deer had gone over that, that, that ridge and actually just dropped down the back of it. So we hadn't spooked them. They must have, well, we must have spooked them, but they weren't, they weren't scared off. Um, we, we sort of crept down as far as we could go. We ran out of cover. As you know, there's tree line, and then there's nothing to the to the to the creek, um, and all the deer were hanging around the bottom. And it was probably about 160, 170 meters down to that creek line. Um, and I told Henny to get ready for a shot, and the deer sort of were playing around, messing around, and started going up the opposite side, uh, that that really steep bank. Uh, Henny had a shot, but um, unfortunately missed. Um, our range that it was about 175. Uh, so unfortunately, he missed that, um, and the deer just got spooked by the shot and, and, and pissed off. But we sat there for a little while watching that hillside, and as you know, it's, it's quite a big hill. Um, and all of a sudden, we spotted a couple of deer come across the hill, uh, our right to left. Um, so we thought, let's have a crack at them. Sort of went up to try and find them. We lost them. The wind was swirling around on the side of that hill face. So we decided, right, we'll go right up to the top of the hill. We went straight up. Had a look around the top, came back down, uh, did a big loop, and came back around. And as we were coming down, we actually, um, I stopped to film the waterfall. Um, 
and trying to get some nasty neck photos. And I came around the corner and Henny's waving and shouting and he's like pointing, pointing down the, down the hill. And I was like, just shoot, just shoot. And uh, yeah, Henny, he had a couple of shots. There was actually three deer bedded, which is the ones that we had seen earlier, the ones that we had gone up hill to find. Um, the hill. And he calls it a hill. It's a freaking hill. steep mountain. It's it's a mountain, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but Henny managed to shoot two of the two of the three. One ran off. He shot two of them. Um, one was a nice palmated buck. The other one was just a sparker. Um, and so yeah, that was the uh, our first morning. We spent an hour or so butchering the deer. We tried to hang them up. We had a bit of a disastrous episode with uh, some old paracord that just wouldn't hold the weight. And I've got that on video, which we'll share. Uh, where we're trying to strap this 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 deer up in the tree, and the paracord just snaps. It was. Yeah, Laurel and Heidi going on up on the side of that mountain. Um, but eventually we got them gutted, uh, got them packed out, um, or packed up, should I say, and then we had to go all the way back down to the bottom of the gully and then pack up all the way to camp. Um, I took the main load, took an extra bag of meat and and started packing up uh, and left Henny behind. Uh, but I went and got the ute and came back and picked them up and, and off we went. So that first morning was a, a real success for us. Yeah, two, two bucks. So that was two uh, two animals down for us. Six How did you go on that first morning? Like that first morning, six point. First morning. Mm. I can't even remember the first morning. It was a bit of a blur. What I do remember, um, we went down. So if you, again, you're talking about the T. Um, John and team went down the right hand side of that T. Is a is a a ridge in the middle, and we went down the left hand side and started to cruise along the top side of the gully. Um, and we were just looking for sign. Um, we were looking for anything, to be honest with you, to start with. It was, uh, I guess, a strategy for me um, was because it was so rainy and so foggy. I didn't want to go and burn the whole block. I decided to stay on the hut side of uh, of where we were and not cover a whole lot of ground because the, the fog just didn't want to lift. And as you know, um, fog does keep the deer out a little bit longer. Um, but as soon as it gets later in the day, they're going back into bed regardless. <coughs> so uh, it was probably 10 o'clock, I reckon, by the time the fog lifted. And it was interesting. We didn't hear the gunshots at all, even though we were so close, uh, which surprises me, but it's just the way it was. Uh, and um, the good sportsman that Jono was when we started this weekend, um, he flicked me a message on the Zolio to say, hey, we've just bumped a couple of bucks. They're coming up to you. I said, oh, what a nice fella. Um, and that was the benefit, again, of having a device. It was the first time, wasn't it? It's the first time we'd used the devices to actually track each other on the map um, because we'd just turned the features on that allowed us to, uh, every six minutes I got a ping from Jono's one, I could see it on a map relative to where I was, which was just a game-changing feature for hunting a block like that because uh, we were in such tight quarters. It was really good to know where each other were. Um, but anyway, he said they were coming up, so we got in a good position and, and we didn't really see anything. Um, so we ended our morning pretty quickly. I mean, we were out for a little while, but um, we went back for a reset um, to decide what we were going to do for the afternoon and into the evening. Um, so that was pretty much us to start with. Uh, if we had gone down into the gully and back up the other side, I just feel like we would have uh, centred it up and, and ruined it for the rest of the weekend. So it was worth worth leaving it. And I was sussing out a new hunter as well. Um, I had Adam with me. Um, Adam was lucky enough to draw the trip when we put it out on the socials for people that wanted to come along. Um, I wasn't, you know, it was a good chance for us to have a yarn and see what he was interested in doing. 
<laughs> what his goals were. So, um, yeah, it was it was a good morning. So this block, you know, as you say, you kind of walk up the the vertical on the tee, and then you kind of go left or right, and so you either go the left left arm of the tee or the right. So how are you working the wind in that? Um, is is the wind coming straight on head on to you? Because if it's going across the tee, one of you are facing the wrong way. Yeah, right. correct. That is right. Um, but the wind was quite swirly, so yeah, it was I don't think it would have really mattered. It would have mm. confused the deer, and it was certainly going to confuse us. Um, but there's two sides to that, right? So you're starting on the the ba- the, the stem of the tee, and it goes yep. down into the creek. When you hit the yep. creek, you go left and right. When you get to the end of your respective arm, you go up and onto the plateau, and then you turn and face each other again. So at some point in time you've got the wind, and at some point in time you don't. Yeah. So sometimes, it's also, just, sometimes you work walking. Yeah. Someone's going to be walking into it and walking. Yeah. yeah. Into, and there right. is just, there is a lot of feature. There's lots of knolls and little hills and little mm. gullies, little treed areas. Um, you know, you can hide from that wind. Um, you know, you've just got to you've just got to plan it and play it play it really well. And, you know, and the, as you said, the, the wind swirls. You can be, you'll be heading up this knoll, and the wind's, you know, in your face, and you get to the top of the knoll, and all of a sudden the wind blows up the backside and blows it away. Because mm-hmm. we had that on the second morning, so um, yeah, you really just had to play it by what was happening. And you know, when you get to the when you get to the base of the gully, you do have a little bit of space left or right before you start creeping over. Um, so you do have some some hillside to play with. I mean, it's when we say hill, it as Ian said, it, it is a mountain. It's, it's, it's pretty a, big. It's a sheer. 300 meters probably straight up yeah like yeah. if you were just to go straight up and it, it is, farm, yeah the majority of it is sheer like that they've mm. made a polaris track that can zigzag up one of the one of the saddles and there's a reasonably steep track at the other end as well so you know there is there is access up to it but it's pretty gnarly yeah mm. um so then next so that afternoon um we all head off again. I can't remember what happened. I, I'm struggling I to remember that far. Yeah, I recall. So, so Henny and I had a huge pack out. We, you know, we carried two animals out. Um, we were pretty broken. So I just went back down the tee on, on the right-hand side and I stopped about halfway overlooking a nice gully with a nice hillside and I just sat under the tree. You actually went up the other side and yep. waited around the back and, and on the top of that. Yeah, yeah. so I went to did. all my usual usual spots. You know, I always see deer here, I always see deer here, and poor old Adam's coming along with me, and I'm like, I shot a deer there, and I shot a deer there, and I shot a deer there, and all was great. <laughs> Actually, on the way up the hill, I got to a spot where I said, I often see deer in this gully. The track goes off to the left. You can go up and over that side, and this big basin that's sitting in front of us, you'll often find deer bedded in here. I said, just take your time and go up. And he, like he knew what he was doing in the end. He'd, he'd done a little bit of hunting before, so he was quite confident. Um, and I went up and around. We lose sight of each other to start with. And as I come around and I catch sight of Adam, he's dead still looking in one direction. I'm like, oh, he's found deer. And I look up to where he's looking, and there's four or five does oh, probably 100 metres away from him, but they've got him pinned, completely pinned. There was no way he was getting a shot off without them busting him. Um, and in usual fashion, I had my rifle strapped to my pack, and all I had was my camera. So I was uh, click, 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 click. Um, 
yeah, bullets, bullets, pretending, pretending I'm shooting deer. Um, but there was no way I could get a, a rifle off it, and off they went and and up the hill. But the good thing was, um, I think Adam had said he'd shot a deer in his past, but it was you know a long time ago, and it was you know with with a couple of mates on maybe driving a ute around a farm or something like that. He'd never actually gone and hunted them or found them in the wild, so that was his first experience actually locating and seeing deer in the wild and you could tell he was pretty excited about it it was it was really cool to see but they went up and away and we carried on around up the back um, where i thought that they were going to be heading but there was no more deer to be seen for us that afternoon and we were midwinter expecting snow but we decided to wait out the afternoon until the lights went out pretty much on the top of that hill with the blistering wind coming at us so it was pretty it was pretty brutal um, but you know, it was good. It was a good experience. Mm. Test some character, and then unfortunately, um, there are two ways up that T, and I'd never walked up the second way, and that was the way we walked up. And I, man, oh man, it was so much further than I remember, and it was yeah, it was pretty, pretty soul destroying by the time we got back up in the cold. But um, yeah, it was a good session. It was good fun. And it got cold that night, and we had some snow. We were tucked up warmly in bed with our electric blankets, but yeah, yeah, a bit of snow. That was good. The next morning, this is where the controversy started, Jono. No controversy, mate, at all. Zolio tells the story. Yeah, it does. It shows it on the map. (laughs) Hmm. Well, so the next morning, we head out, Henny and myself, we follow um, the same track that we followed down the right-hand side of that T. And we, the plan was to get down to the bottom where we had seen the deer the previous morning on that regrowth, uh, in the hope that that was they were frequenting that area. Uh, we got down to that that regrowth and there was no deer to be seen. Um, so we continued down to the the bottom of that creek and to the tree where um, Henny had taken the shot from previous morning and missed because it gave us a good vantage to sort of blast that hillside. So we went down and. And sat under that tree, and we just sat there for five, ten minutes, and we spotted some deer. They started moving across that 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 mountainside, and so we thought, right, let's have a crack at them. Um, so we went down, all the way down to the creek, and then started going up. As you said, it's that almost sheer face, three hundred meter vertical climb. We got about, I don't know, probably a fifth of the way up, uh, following a, a game trail, um, and we knew where the deer were. We could see them, um, and then yeah, that's when I said the wind was again swirling. It's was in our face then all of a sudden it was up her ass and I heard a you know the the noise a fellow makes that whistle that that bark yeah. and, and off they and off they went they were gone. So we decided that we would um we would go straight up back up. Trespass. No trespassing at this point. Um and we decided we'd go straight back up we'd go vertical um up up the mountain to the top to go have a look at the top. And the reason why we made that decision was because Prior to heading out, we had a chat round in the shed about who was doing what that day, and Ian said that he was not going to go up there. Um, and so we decided when we got up there, the wind was in our favour that we would go round and circle up that way and come back and see if we could cut off those does that we had seen this morning. And we were probably about 100 metres, maybe 200 metres in, and I started getting pinged on the Zolio saying, Oi, what are you doing? What are you Get doing? Get off my side of the property. Get off my side. And I said, well, you said you weren't coming this way. And he goes... We're going there this afternoon. I said, well, that's not what you said this morning. We still um, had another day. I was leaving it unsaid. No, this, this was the last afternoon. Oh, was it? We still had the it next was. day to go. We no, we didn't. Sunday. This was the last... we had Sunday. This, no, we, were not, you, well, we had Sunday morning. We were leaving Sunday. But 
You said you weren't going to go in there, so filthy, we we just filthy poacher. So oh, we got about what two hundred meters into your block, and are just getting pink. What are you doing? What get out of my get out get out? And so we conversed, and I said, "Well, you said you weren't coming here," and you said, "That's my block for the afternoon." And I said, "Right, that's not what you told us this morning." So we backed out. So that's the controversy. We got called poachers. We got called you name everything it. under the sun. <laughs> everything under the we sun. Penalised him five points for his effort. Yeah, and who won still? So oh well, don't give it away. <laughs> so anyway, we backed out um, because obviously, look, you know, we didn't intentionally go trespassing on your land. We, you said you weren't going to go in there, so what we, we would pair tra- two South Africans together and say <laughs> you can't cross a virtual line. Um, it's got anyway. Them. So, so we we crossed the line. I'm not going to uh, deny that, but. Was it uh, just poaching? Like, and, uh, just like what's happening is uh, right at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> like, I'm just watching. It's, Thank it's you, Zolio. Too, what was the, what was the right hashtag? Right. Zolio. Mm-hmm. Uh, hashtag. Uh, Zo- uh, whatever it was. Zolio, oh. keeping South Africans honest since now. <laughs> so anyway, we we back, We did the right thing and we backed out. Um, we went back around our block um, that had been fully censored up um, now because of the wind. And... We uh, yeah didn't see anything else that morning. We headed back to camp, um, the, the long climb that, and uh, you guys I think were back at camp by that point. You just hung around just on the in the top section, didn't you? Around around underneath the house, I think you did that that morning. Uh, yeah, we went to suss out uh, an undisturbed paddock. We went to Ricky out some stuff. The property owner had told us that there was a paddock that they hadn't had any cows on for the whole season, and it was being frequented by deer. So. <coughs> Desperate to make up for lost ground. We were one point behind at this time due to penalties. Uh, we, we had to, we, we were searching really, really hard for this spot. So we sussed that out just so that we, we knew where we were going to go back Sunday morning should we need to do so. So that was that plan. This is, and there was a whole other side of the block that I hadn't really spent a lot of time on. Um, so it was good to get to know that, which was good. That afternoon, though. That afternoon, things got exciting. Got really exciting, didn't it? So we yeah. we, uh, we went down our usual track, and it was a bit early in the afternoon. But there's this beautiful spot where you're sitting up on the up on the ridge overlooking the gully, and the other side is a creek junction and a gully intersection, and all of these excellent bits of feature that you know you think you just sit there and you'll just watch a beautiful mature buck wander down there and thrash a couple of things and carry on with the day. Um, that's what we fully expected to see. We sat there, and I think um, this is where we started to realise again some of these extra features on the Zolio, that when you sit for a period of time, the marker changes colour. Mm. Mm. Yellow, uh, I think. Yeah, like an amber it colour, yellow. Yeah. It's like, okay, he's, it's yellow because he's in the same spot for a while. So we sat there for a while having a chat, talking about you know things that we'd seen there and, and whatever, and eventually gave up the spot and carried on. Um, so mark that spot in your mind because it comes back in the story. Um, so off we went, up and up and up the other side um, to try and find some deer. And as we got to the very, very top, the furthest most point from the hut, uh, Adam spots some more deer, which was great, but they were on the other side of the fence. But still good for him to see it. It was a beautiful young buck uh, in colour phase. Uh, so it had the you know the dark chest and quite a white, uh, well, not white, but mental um, coat behind his neck um and we just sat there with the binos and watched that for a little while it was a good experience for him just to see them 
interacting and he was able to pick out two or three others that were in the same gully at that point. We, they were facing our direction and, and I knew at the top of that gully there was, a, there was a water trough. So I was hoping that they would feed, jump the fence, go for a drink. Now I've been sucked in by those deer before. I've sat there waiting for them to jump the fence and go to the water trough more than once and just the same as the last ones, they never eventuated. So um, we sat up there in the cold for a bit but decided instead of waiting for dark at that location, we'll start to head back and just stalk our way back along a few other places that we'd seen deer before. And um, as we're coming around the corner and um, starting to head back down to some of these spots, we got a message from Jono saying, um, I've shot a buck. So I'll let you take that over, Jono. So, yeah, that, that, that afternoon I headed back down the tee, stuck, stuck to my side on the right-hand side, um, got down to the bottom, and this time, with permission, I will add, I headed to the left. I was returning the um, favour of sending bucks our direction. So, so anyway, I, I got to the creek line and I headed left. So basically you headed left and um, I was heading towards the track that, and, and the side of the block that, that Ian would come down. Um, I found a spot that I thought looked pretty good, had a look at the hillside, sat there for a couple of minutes, didn't feel right, moved a couple, you know, 100 or 200 metres further to the left, uh, found an awesome spot, got set up, sat under the tree, and I just sat glassing this hillside and I had this beautiful mountainside. Um, got the rangefinder out, ranged, you know, a couple of points to get to give myself some bearings and, you know, what sort of distance if something popped out. And I just sat there. And it was literally on sunset. Um, I saw two two deer, two fellow popped out and they ran from my left to right. Um, and they sort of came running along, running along. I got set up. Um, I actually got out the bar pod, which interestingly, this is, a, I've owned a spot in bar pod for two or three years. This is the first time I've taken a shot off it. So it was uh, pretty interesting. Um, but anyway, I set the bar pod up. I got the camera running. Now you were, um, you, you were on this face shooting onto that face. Correct. How yeah. were you positioned? Uh, it was tricky. So I actually had my QU pack, which I lay in front of me, and I had the bar pod on top of the pack. It must have been elevation. weird. Yeah. yeah. It was awkward, but that's how I got the elevation was I actually put the bar pod on top of the pack yep. that elevation um, because, yeah, it was literally aiming down and I was trying to shoot, shoot across the opposite face. Um, so these bucks were running across. Um, I took a shot and I have it on camera, but I actually missed the first one. I shot over it. Um, I think, I, yeah, I definitely – underestimated the distance uh, or the, the sorry the holdover for the distance i thought it was a lot further um i was just caught up and, and didn't really understand the distance but i sort of the, the bucks because it was quite a long way i think it was about 220 they were um they sort of got a little bit spooked but ran off to the right and then started moving off back to the left but they weren't that spooked they were literally just ambling at a quick pace gave me mm -hmm. enough time to to get set up again um and I took a shot and I hit the buck, the back one. Beautiful, um, beautiful buck. It was only a sparker, um, but still hit him. And I saw him tumble down the hill. Um, and then he got up and sort of stumbled a few steps. Um, but now this was past sunset. I literally had, you know, minutes of, of sunlight, well, not even sunlight, but just light left. Um, so I raced up, well, raced down the gully, crossed the creek, started going up the other side. By this point, it was dark. And I was looking around and I looked for about 25, 30 minutes all over this hillside and I couldn't find the buck, just couldn't find it. So I pinged you on the Zolio saying, 
that's when I pinged you saying Buck was down. Um, and you said, we're heading your way. Um, yeah. Gonna come help you. So I think you said Buck down, need a hand, can't find it, something like that's that. That's it. Like, yeah, All right, correct. Well, we'll, we'll abort. We'll, we'll, we'll come straight down and give you a hand. Which is where we were now stumbling down in the tiniest last bits of light and right in front of us walk five or six does. Um, so with uh, minimal aid from uh, the old uh, Army Tech torch, we managed to drop one and I put a round into a second and it ran down the ridge down towards the creek. I went and sorted out the first one just as we were sort of, um, I was just starting to get ready to butcher the first one and Jono comes over the ridge. Um, we could just see his lights going everywhere as he was looking for stuff. I just couldn't believe how far you'd travel along yeah, well, the ridge side to get to us. Um, well, I, um, I was looking and you said you're on your way. Um, so I would, I kept on looking and then I heard the shot, um, and I saw your headlights in the distance, yeah. headlamps in the distance. Um, so I walked towards those lights, but yeah, it was, it was quite a way. Um, yeah. I mean, when we walked shots. back, we were, we were on the march for a good five or 10 minutes, yeah. you know, solid pace to get back to where your buck we thought it might've been, or you thought it might've been. So to come mm -hmm. along that steep bridge like that, that was, yeah, that was a fair hike. But anyway, you got to us, you were pretty broken, cooked up a brew. Um, yep, had, had a quick coffee. Had a quick coffee and then got into the butchery and um, and Adam, the good bastard that he was, uh, I, I think I put a throwaway line out there saying, "Well, if you want it, you carry it." Uh, so he did the whole thing, <laughs> the um, whole cock, the whole thing. We 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 took all of the bits off it that we didn't want to carry and we put it in a big plastic bag and strapped it to his pack and off he went. The legend, uh, and I yeah. just had to carry him a normal pack. So that was brilliant. Uh, I would, I meant everything I said. I was going to give him the whole thing. Um, so. He was happy to carry. Um, had a quick look for the other one that went missing that I, I know we know we'd shot because we could see it, um, but we just couldn't find it in the failing light. So um, unfortunately, that left us with one point to one point and one lost, and Jono had one lost. Mm. Um, so um, we were even Stevens to that. Oh, no, yes. How does that work? Yeah, we were even. No, we were even, even, we're even at that and more controversy around shooting with light, but yeah. maybe it wasn't. Um, I disagreed yeah. with that because, yeah. Well, anyway. we didn't stipulate the rules. <laughs> but, you know, no, we didn't stipulate the rules. We'll let the punters decide. Um, it did have a little bit of help from Army Tech Torches. Anyway. Not much. So, anyway, not much. Yeah. Back so, along to where you thought you were. And, and remember, yeah, so we, so we cut back on the track. Yeah, so we. Yep, absolutely. And we cut, so we cut, we went straight down from where you, we had gutted um, the one that you had shot. We went back down to the creek. We, we found the, uh, the track uh, and we were walking back along the track um, to the point where I'd taken the shot from because obviously it's, it's visible on the Zolio. Um, and we grabbed the torch and we're, we're shining on the hillside um, and trying to work out exactly where I had shot from. And that's when we came to the realization that I was literally, I had sat under the tree. Um, that we were sitting you, under earlier. That they had been sitting literally just behind me um, where they had sat that afternoon, um, where they had thought was a good spot. I had selected the same good spot. So um, I just had the patience to sit it out till, till sunset and uh, you went, decided to walk that mountain. Yeah, good, eh? <laughs> but anyway, so what we did is we actually got the, uh, the camera because I actually recorded the first shot that I took, which was from the same position. 
Um, I actually didn't record the shot itself, unfortunately, because I, I was, I recorded the first shot and then they, they spooked and I stopped the camera because I thought I was going to have to move. And then when I spotted them again, I just quickly went and shot. So I didn't actually push record again. But on the camera, we actually, I had the first shot and I knew where they ran for the second shot. So we used that as a, as a visual, as a visual of where the animal was standing when I took the shot and then using the torches, we shot up on the hillside and actually got right. Well, there's the track going up. You see the cut. We worked out exactly where to look. We said, that's where I hit him. Let's go. And we said, don't go up into the tree line. It's just below the tree line. So we went down, we dropped our packs, everything. We, um, we went back up the other side and literally found the tree line that we said, don't go past. And within I think maybe a minute or two, we found this buck curled up behind a tree. Um, so there we had it. That was, yeah, that was my buck, just a sparker, but a beautiful, beautiful animal. It was one of um, good size. Yeah, mm. good size and beautiful skin. Uh, and on that, I actually got a message today from Adam saying that our skins are ready. So we oh. uh, we dropped those off at Mario in, yeah. uh, in Stanthorpe, if you're and they're ready. someone that does skins, Mario, I don't know it's Mario. Find Mario in Stanthorpe. Uh, he's great. Yeah, exactly. uh, it's only one. one. There's only one. Taxidermy in in Stanthorpe. He's also what else does he do? I've got this weird feeling he's an upholsterer. Might be wrong. Anyway, um, he's got some other. So other anyway, he's, he's a so, he's one of the best when it comes to tanning skins. Very so, very nice. So I don't have a fellow skin, uh, and this was such a beautiful skin with beautiful markings that I decided to. Uh, to get mine tanned, um, but I won't give it away. What happened? Well, what happened next was we um, we decided to just leave mine there. We we basically we we dragged it down to the bottom of the creek line. We hung it from a tree. We gutted it and left it overnight to cool. Got a marker um, pin. It, yep. Yeah, we got a dropped a marker pin. It drops below zero, so mm, we knew we yeah, had you know fine. beautiful cooling because uh, there's no way we we're going to. Well, Adam had one whole deer strapped to his pack. Uh, and we went about to pack this one out because I was pretty broken from, from climbing that hill. So the plan was we'll leave it hanging from a tree um, for the night and come back down in the morning, uh, pack it out. Um, it was a good size animal. Stay, it was a good yeah, size it was a good, animal. It was, it was a good sparker. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was good. Uh, so that's what we did. Um, we yeah, we dragged him down. We strung him from a tree. Um, Ian got himself a nasty slice by a piece of barbed wire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, it was no a, yeah, we hung it from a tree with a piece of old wire. Yeah. Didn't we? Yeah, we cut it. There was a piece of wire hanging around. Anyway, it was had to imp- improvise when you're trying to hang these things up. But yeah, it did, it did um, slice himself open. Meanwhile, my uh, my uh, teammate was back at camp in his heated <laughs> caravan, fast asleep. A heat pump and a hot water shower. God. <laughs> hey, Henny. Hope you're well. Sending, sent us a message saying, "What time you guys think you're going to be back?" Um, and then I think we replied saying. No idea. We're busy. We've got animals down, and he went straight back to sleep. So. Yeah. Well, no, the, no. It went. Um, um, Jono's uh, Jono's shot up. No, we've got animals down. We're about to start the walk. Right. So you can't get a car down to where we were. If you can get a car down, maybe one quarter of the way to a gate, and that's where the farmer gave us permission to. So, if at all possible, not having to walk that last quarter. And we're talking the last quarter of elevation and yeah. a reasonable amount of distance still to go. Um, it's really nice to get a car. So it's like we've shot, we've shot an animal. We were about to start the walk up. Next message back from Henny was, "All right, good night." <laughs> um, my follow up message was, "Can you meet us at the gate with the car?" No response. We're like, "Oh, he's either going to be there or he's not." He wasn't. He's fast asleep <laughs> in his diesel heated caravan. 
bloody Henny. Anyway, not his fault. That's no, not his fault. Uh, so anyway, we um yeah, Adam Adam packed out that that deer. We climbed up the hill. I think I left you guys behind, and I actually went back and got the car from yeah, yeah. camp. You picked um, you ran up the hill. Yep. Yeah, and I think I think by the time we got back to to the shed, it must have been what nine yeah, nine o'clock. Pretty beaten. It, yeah. You can't un- underestimate how steep it was, and because it was so muddy, you were getting quite a bit of slippage underfoot. So, you know, when you're tired, you're already clumsy. Adding that sort yeah. of fun to it is excellent. So at that point in time, I'd shot a deer. We had to go back and get Jono's. So he was now two 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 v one. Controversially, two v one. Um, but it was 2v1, uh, and we still had to go back and pack it out. And I, the, the good bastard that I am, I volunteered to go down and help him out. Uh, now, Adam, being the keen new young hunter that he was, he's, um, he's like, I might get up in the morning and go for a hunt to that paddock that hasn't been chewed out yet. <laughs> Coincidentally, the hunt prior, when we went and looked at that paddock, we did walk up on a deer on the dam in that little paddock. Um, but I think that was the first deer that Adam had seen, and he was really keen to look at it. And the old raising the rifle thing didn't happen instinctively, so it disappeared down the back of the dam, but we knew the deer were coming up to it. So I think the first time I heard a rustle in the in the shearing shed that night was that door opening and closing really quietly as Adam snuck off into the morning darkness. And I was like, oh, Adam's gone hunting. I should, you know, stuff and go back to sleep. Got my electric blanket cuddled up around me. I'm not going anywhere. And then not what, 20 minutes later, I, I, I uh, realized I couldn't go back to sleep because I needed a wee. Got up to go for a wee and my, my watch buzzed. And I looked down at my watch and he's like, deer down. You legend. He's, he snuck off on his own and he shot himself a deer. So now we're kind of two for two, Jono. Mm-hmm. There wasn't another one shot after that, was there? So it was no, there wasn't. Of, it was kind of like a tie. It wasn't. It wasn't a tie. Oh. <laughs> and I didn't get the time to go back and look for the other one that we shot, unfortunately. So anyway, we'll call it even. I think that's fair. It wasn't even, mate. It was Tim Steele won that one. We agreed the spotlighting was not fair. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. Fair enough. All right, well. We didn't call the rules out, but I'm a generous man. So how many deer was that in the end? Four? Um, one, two, three, four, five. Five recovered. Five recovered. One unrecovered. One unrecovered. Yeah. So yeah. three so for Team the... Steel and two for Team Hills. Mm. And we were told when we got there, lots of pigs. Like, give them We saw a pig. A pig. I saw a pig. Singular. A pig. A, a pig, pig singular. Yeah, certainly yeah. weren't pigs like the other blocks. So w- when when Henny missed that first deer, um, literally the whole hillside just e- erupted. <laughs> there were wallabies running that way. There was deer running that way, and then one singular pig running across the hill. So that was the only pig we saw. Um, we heard goats. We did hear them. Yeah, we heard them. and smelt them. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Which, considering we were what twenty k's from the other property that we hunted on a month prior. Yeah. Um. Very oh. very different. Very different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But a great block, one I'm looking forward to going back to. Um, this time we'll take a Polaris, which will be nice. It'll help us up the hill at the end of the night, <laughs> keep us active. Um, but, yeah, good weekend. Looking forward to doing another one. Mm. Mm. Yes. So 
what's happened with the meat? Where is it? Processed sausages, chops, skins. Oh, are in, I, <laughs> skin, yeah, skins so, are in, as I said, skins are in standoff with Mario. So what else has happened? Well, it, yeah. So yeah, skins are with Mario. Um, Adams has got. I actually saw a photo of it today. It's got a massive hole from the three hundred wind mag. Um, <laughs> totally happens. Three hundred wind mag and uh, and a, a young fellow buck don't don't mix very very well. There's a nice mm-hmm. little uh, exit exit wound on that one. Um, Can't patch that up. So, <laughs> even 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 Mario said I tried to sew it up but I couldn't. Ah. There's only so much I can do. <laughs> um, but no, I brought all the meat back. We packed out. We actually so we went and recovered Adam's deer. Um, and then yep. once we'd recovered it, um, we Adam we all tried to dream- carry it back to camp. He's a pretty oh, keen yeah. dude. He tried mm, to carry yeah. it back to camp, and I think at some point in time he said deer down. Um, and I thought, oh well, he'll be back soon. Yeah, oh, we didn't well, do you anything. Thought he had, you, you thought he had taken his ute, he but he hadn't. He walked. walked. No. Yeah. So Meanwhile, I drove up and to pack it out again. Yeah. Anyway, so he um yeah so he he dragged it up from the paddock to the bottom of that by the house. Um, and I drove up and we went and picked it up, uh, brought it back to camp, and I think we uh, to the shed we put it in the that um butchery room. We we gutted it and I think we left it hanging, and then we went the three of us walked down. And when I got my deer, so we went and um, skinned it, butchered mine, and then we packed it out, um, got back up to the shed, uh, finished butchering the one that you had shot, um, and we butchered Adam's one. Um, so all the meat was recovered. Um, mm. And he took his two. We packed that one out. He spent the afternoon prior cutting up all his biltong, um, biltong pieces. So, yeah, all the meat was recovered. Um, I've, yeah, my, my freezer is looking pretty good at the moment. Um, mm. Already had some making yeah. some jerky and making some biltong and yeah. Let's just go back to uh, Adam packing it out for a second. Um, he packed it out whole, guts and all. Oh wow! Yeah, because wow. yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah. he hadn't been through the process. He hadn't he hadn't yeah, done that sure. himself. So yeah, um, yeah, because he didn't take the car, he's like, all right, well, I'm going to carry. It. And he said, "That's real hard work, man." Yeah, well, there's, 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 there's a whole lot. Of, there's a whole lot of extra that you don't need. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. There yeah, is. I was very grateful when I rocked up with a Ute. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Anyway, if you've made it to the end of the ramble uh, and enjoyed the story, uh, we'll be doing it again next year. Bound to be looking for another volunteer, so um, make yourself known. You never know what'll happen, but we're certainly going to be looking to drag a few more people along. On some of these competition hunts next time, be good fun. Mm. So, uh, what's the uh, if we're thinking about? Because obviously this is Operation Venison. So, have you have you eaten any of this meat yet? Other than uh, jerked it and built on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I've made some steaks already. So, yeah. so what do we? So you you shop. All stags and all bucks, didn't you? Did you shoot only I'm... bucks? What was yours? Yours was, was a. Yours was you, John, a, yours in specifically, did you only shoot bucks? We only shot bucks. So, um, Henny shot a palmated buck, mm-hmm. a sparker, and I shot a sparker. That's right. Yeah. So, and then you took a. You shot one doe, lost another doe, shot a shot a, a button buck. Okay. So, or, was, so they the were all really good at meeting, uh, good eating. Excellent, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, all beautiful really condition. 
In yep. fact, you could argue that the bucks are probably the the yeah the the spiker bucks and button bucks are probably going to be tastier because you can age them pretty easy. They're they're yeah. Let's tell you how old they oh, are. Oh, look, and even even the, even the more mature buck was still probably only first yeah. head. Okay, so he so was still really he good, was still pretty young. good yeah, meat animal. Good fat on him, good condition. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's the other thing. What was it? It's going to ask condition like so. Good condition, good meat animals. Yeah, yeah, and very very high number of Male. bucks. Uh, mm. Huge, yeah. Very unusual to have that many bucks on one property. Were they bachelorating up? Do you think they were definitely bachelorating up? Yep. Mm. But um, the yeah. mob that I the mob that I came across was all was was matriarch. With um, two other does with yearlings, and this button buck was the yearling. Yeah. So he was still hanging on to mum. So yeah, that's right. He had me. So he was really first year buck. Yeah. 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 And the yeah. mob that, yeah, that mob that we saw on the first morning on that regrowth, there was probably twenty five deer there. There were two huge bucks, massive bucks. And mm. they were actually, um, when we saw them again, when they went down to the creek, they were actually fighting. They were still messing around. But there were probably at least another five to ten young bucks amongst that. So probably ten does at the most amongst that. So the, they were definitely battering up. Um, yep. Yeah, two beautiful bucks. Mm. We just couldn't get a shot at them, unfortunately. That's what we wanted was a big bucks. But we just a question without notice. Um Pretty interesting hunt, you know. Three solid days of hunting, bit of travel either side. Um, winter, harsh conditions, rain, sleet, snowy, blistery sort of stuff. How'd the gear go? Was there any specific bits of gear that didn't perform, or did perform really well? Was there any callouts there, or is it all just status quo? You've got your gear and it just worked. Oh, I got my gear and it worked. I think. Probably the best piece of kit that I had was that Bush Edge um, rifle cover. Um, oh, yeah. Because I stripped, yeah, because it was pouring with rain on that first morning. It was so muddy and wet, and then that fog set in, and I wasn't shooting on that first morning. So I put my rifle in that Bush Edge cover and strapped it to my pack, uh, yeah. and that kept my rifle nice and, and dry and didn't get any mud on it. That, for me, was probably a really, really key piece of kit for that trip. Yeah. Otherwise, everything else was... Yes, that's quite really. It's my, yeah. my go-to kit that I've got. You'll see it on the website. I, I use that on every hunt. So I I actually carried Matika on this rifle. Oh, uh, sorry, on this on this hunt. So it that was so weird on the. It sounded like you were setting me up there. Yeah. So I took I took the Benelli, uh, the Lupo, um, and I took Matika, which is my go-to rifle. Um, it was so wet on that first morning that I didn't want to carry the Lupo because I didn't want to mess it up. It's too pretty to get wet and, and that the wood swell because it's a wood stock. It's too pretty for that. Um, so I just carried my Tika, which doesn't let me down. Um, so yes, I'm yet to shoot an animal with the Benelli. Oh. It's the range. I've carried it, but I haven't shot an animal with it yet. So, um, but it was too pretty to, uh, it's too pretty a rifle to get messed up. Terrible. Have, well, you, ever, have, have you ever had a stock swell? I have, yes. In South Africa, I had a wooden stock that's well. Was it made out of packing cardboard? <laughs> no, it was a, <laughs> it was a pretty it was a pretty good rifle. Uh, it was actually a Krico German uh, 308 that I got, yeah. but yes, it did swell. With the humidity, I've, I've, I've so. never had a timber stock swell. 
Oh, look, and I've this Benelli is, is yeah, beautiful. I've had timber stocks go mouldy yeah. in oh, summertime, I've had mold on it. Yeah. Uh, especially um, the CZ. The CZ used to suffer from mould of all. That was the worst one for mould. But I've never had that a timber the, stock. That's swell. the rifle that I, timber swell timber stock that I had that had mould on it was a CZ. It was an old Bruno that it was prior to becoming CZ. It was a Bruno two seventy that I had, and yeah. that got mould on it. The Mark Rico stock did swell. Mm. Um, it, yeah. But yeah, I look, I mean, you look at. Well, I, reckon I don't a, think it would. I don't think it would. Like, if you look at the quality of it, but yeah, I didn't yeah. want to get it. I didn't want to get it dirty and mess it up. It's too pretty. But my my takeaway was uh, on slam on the slam one that we did. I had some real dramas with the. Um, well, not real dramas. I had some problems with light collection in the eliminator. And I and I incorrectly blamed it on the eliminator because I know it's got extra tech in it and extra panes of glass that has all the LEDs and things on it. I just thought it was restricting some of the light because I had problems focusing on a dead, like last light down in the shadows. And I had the sun dropping behind me. So that was all contributing to it. On this trip, I took the the Lupo with the Eliminator on it again with the purpose of hunting with it for the morning session. And I had the BRX Steiner combo for the night knowing that the Steiner is hellishly good in low-light mm. conditions. Um, so that was the intent. Um, but the location we were hunting had some pretty good long-range options up on the top. I'm not first-man shooting anyway. I'm just going to carry this one the, um, with the Eliminator. And last light, we were doing some comparisons of the glass versus um, what Adam had. And he had a pretty good scope. I can't remember what it was now. Um, what do I mean, my, my opta? Anyway, my opta. Yeah. Um, and they're pretty well known for good light. Mm. And we were comparing the two, and to my surprise, the Eliminator actually performed super well. And it just it just turned out it was just bad conditions, bad light drop, bad everything that were, you know, making it difficult for me to focus on that animal. Um, so it gave me a heap more confidence with using this thing in low light. And I've now had it out on the farm a couple of times. Just having a look around in low light just to test things, and um, I'm yeah I'm pretty impressed with it. So I um I retract my thoughts that I didn't share with too many people. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty it's pretty good. Other than that, no wet weather gear is important. The cover for the rifle was super important, but mm. everything worked really well. Yeah, okay. electric blankets. That's that's oh, you've got to get one. <laughs> got to get one. Especially if you're going to a powered shed. You don't have to lug your whole 12-volt battery that I do. Yeah, yeah so I mean, it's, it was a powered shed, so 240, so yeah. you didn't like, swap split. I don't have, a, I don't have a, a, a wired electric blanket, so I carry my, my, my battery and my 12-volt electric blanket. AGM into... That's just so much wrong with I use it to power my fridge as well. There's so much wrong with that. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with that, mate, when it's freezing outside and you're nice and toasty in bed. Believe. No, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Oh, excuse me. How about this might call out a wrap. We got yeah, any wrap so. up any wrap up comments, fellas? Go to the website. It'll be live now. That's Friday, isn't it, Jono? By the time this comes Friday, out. Friday, mate. It'll Friday. be live now. Go to the website. I, uh, uh, let I, us know what you think. Got some cool stuff up there. I admire your confidence. It'll be there. It'll be there, Jono, won't it? Um, it'll be there like the giveaways. Um, make sure yeah. you listen to understand what the giveaways are send us your success stories and pictures love seeing them really really cool 
And if you want to buy a lamb, Ian at hunterscampfire.net. <laughs> on, on the on the on the shop page. On the shop page. Free yeah. free blooded gear. Or just blooded right. gear. Free blooded gear. There's a lamb covered in blood. I wouldn't do it. Oh, no, no. Well, you'll see it. It'll be up there. All right. We'll call it. Cool. Okay. Thanks, Jens. See you. See ya. See ya.